Newcastle Fans TV. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Green and Morning Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. This podcast is a very, very special podcast for myself and Sam because this is a man that we would have loved to have the chance to talk to. We would have probably had a day episode, never mind an hour, a day talking to the late, great Sir Bobby Robson. So what's second best prize for that wonderful man? It is, of course, his son, Mark Robson, who is the spitting double. (laughs) If you watch watch this episode on YouTube, I know this is the audio side of things, but if you watch this on YouTube, he is the spitting double of his father. And some stories that he mentions on the show, just it, it just brings your face with a smile. It puts your face, it puts a yeah. smile on your face. It really does. Like I, I remember you saying in the podcast, Sam, or just after we finished, that you got a little bit emotional about this podcast. Can you can you explain to our listeners why? No, I mean, it, it, I, it, like, it's not a tear-jerking episode or anything like that, really. It's just that Sir Bobby was, is, was my hero, always, you know, from from my teenage years. I've just got such admiration and love for the guy. Um, I, I kind of saw him as, like, your, your granddad, as it were. To give it, you know, he was just an absolute... My prized possession is, is my... I've got his autograph, so... Um, that is my number one prized possession. I mean, regular viewers of the channel would have seen all my Newcastle shirts that I've got since 1995 or whatever, and this, that, and the other, and other memorabilia. And it's be Sir Bobby Robson autograph that, you know, the guy's my hero. And um, absolutely honoured to, to to have Mark's time to, to come on and talk to us about his dad's greatest legacy, which is, of course, the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation. Um all the details are in the links to to donate if you can, or if you just want to read up about the amazing work that it does uh, for cancer in the northeast and and a bit beyond. SurviveRobsonFoundation.org.uk. Uh, um, yeah, really great. This was just one where I was just just purely contented to to sort of sit and listen, and the time flies. It, it really it really does, and it actually when you talk about time flying. I think Sir Boy Robson's era flown so quickly when you yeah. think about it. And when he arrived at Newcastle in 1999, that first game, that eight nil win at home, uh, I just, I just look back at that. Who opened the scoring that day? Oh, was it Aaron Hughes? Correct, Amundo. Yeah, I remember. I remember you having that in a quiz question once, but um. No, I, one thing I do remember from that era is because it was my era of supporting Newcastle. I know you probably had a, maybe a tad. Yeah, same, tips. same. And and some say this is still my era of supporting Newcastle. <laughs> but um, my first season of supporting Newcastle was when we finished fourth in 2001-2. Ooh, good season. I know, Shearer, Bellamy, Robert, Speed, Given, the list Top goes on. Top of Christmas. We were top at Christmas. Um, maybe the game leading up to that might get a mention, but we'll, mm. we'll leave that for the podcast itself. But I always remember, I always remember little bits and pieces, and I always remember being young enough to, you know, you get given a can of can of coke and a pack of crisps in the pub and just do as you're told. But when Sir Boy Robson came on 
whether Newcastle won, drew or lost the game, everyone would go shh mm. and it would quiet down and you would listen to what the great man said and everyone would just pay attention and at the end of the day would go, ah, he's got a point. Ah, he was right there. He, was, he told it as it is. And the honesty he gave to Newcastle United fans, I think will live long in the memory cell. Yeah, I... I, I... I don't have very little to add to that because you've 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 summed it up perfectly. I think um, like I, I I struggle to convey the ad the, the admiration I have for him. I really do. Um, I try and take bits of his management style into my own like place of work, which is like silly when you think about it because I'm in no way involved in football. It couldn't be further away from it. But I just try and like maybe copy some traits and like. Well renowned, he's master of man management and whatnot, but he was obviously so much more than that. So much more than that, and uh, the legacy he's left behind, not only with his charity, his, his foundation, but the legacy in in football and how admired he was from huge figures now in current day football. It just speaks volumes about the the type of of man he was. What is your favourite Sabor Robson moment? Um, do you know what? When he was appointed, because um, <laughs> when Rude Hullet was appointed, I was gutted because I always said to me, oh, I want Bobby Robson. Bobby Robson would be brilliant at Newcastle. And we appointed Rude Hullet, and it was just a bit... Ugh. And I think I said the same when Kenny Daglish was appointed, actually. Well, I was only about seven or eight at the time, but I always wanted Bobby Robson as manager, especially after Keegan left, because obviously that, him leaving was huge, huge. Um, so, yeah, when, when Bobby finally came and then there's the scenes outside St. James's Park when he first arrived, yeah. I know, yeah, that, that, that's, that's it for me. And obviously it was the start of a, of a brilliant uh, rejuvenative... Rejuvenate... Reju- What's the word? What's the word? Rejuvenate? Yeah, but it's it's rejuvenation. No, it's not rejuvenational because that's not a word. But you know what I mean. Um, (laughs) Just it's start of an incredibly exciting time, and um, throughout my teenage years, when we were up there competing for a long while in in cups, and and we were, you know, within. fighting distance of the, of the league title for a good three quarters of, of the season. So, yeah, it was just, it was brilliant. It was, it was absolutely phenomenal times. And again, this is Newcastle fans TV, but one moment that I can remember was actually just flicking through YouTube and just putting some Robson's name in. And... I'll give the Sunderland fans a bit of a shout out to you. I don't know if Sam has ever came across this video. But obviously, the year that Saboy Robson passed away, Newcastle were relegated and Sunderland were promoted. Yeah, Sunderland were still in the Premier League. So Sunderland's pre-season, I think the, the day that Newcastle were playing West Brom, Sunderland were playing a pre-season game. That pre-season game was against Celtic at Celtic Park. And Sunderland fans showed a little bit of class, actually. Real, real touch of class. Within, I think in the first half it was, they started singing, there's only one to Bobby Robson. Yeah. Or one Bobby Robson, something along the lines of that. And 
rivalries aside, there are certain there are certain people, Newcastle, Sunderland legends, Northeast legends, if you like, will just get that sort of reception, even though Newcastle Sunderland's such a fierce star. They always remember when we had Robin Barton on. I always remember them saying to him, you know, some of the fans would never boo Saboy Robson when he come off the bus going into the ground or him going back onto the bus after the game. That's the sort of man Sir Bobby Robson is. And I think quite rightly, his statue is right outside the ground, right outside the entrance of one of the most famous stands in world football from a very much biased point of view. But it's well, well deserved. And just before we start this episode, we need to talk about Mark and Sir Bobby Robson's son, who very, very kindly given his time to talking about his, his, his late father. But you could just sense the pride yeah. in his voice, couldn't you, Sam, about anything to do with the, the great man himself? I mean, he's obviously seen sides of Sir Bobby that we, like, we obviously never will. Um I, don't, I, don't, I struggle to find like I say I'm, I'm it, it's just it's just you know like karma like there's no way that man deserved to get cancer five times you know some people don't deserve that and the, and the way he's loved by everyone like you mentioned the Sunderland fans there there's 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 more to to football than you know than than that. So, what Mark's got now is 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 very important because it is his dad's legacy, and he knows it's very important. Um. So yeah, just if you can manage to donate, <laughs> the the links in the description. I know times are hard at the moment, and people are struggling to afford to pay their freaking gas and electric bills. But if you are fortunate enough to be in a, a position where you can donate, then then by all means go to. SirBobRobsonFoundation.org.uk. Yeah, the the website is www.SirBobRobsonFoundation.org.uk. Which, for our audio listeners, like you are listening to this wonderful interview in, about the great man himself. Please, if you can, anything will do. Anything will do. But when they mean anything, anything will do. But I think it's about time we get this special episode up and running. It was a great pleasure to do this and I'm sure Sam would say exactly the same thing so yeah. it is the Greenwood and Mulliner show with Mark Robson the Greenwood and Mulliner show on Newcastle fans TV hello everyone welcome back to a very special episode of the Greenwood and Mulliner show here on Newcastle fans TV today me and Sam are joined by the son of a legend so Bobby Robson had a huge impact on and off the pitch, especially in the northeast. Of course, remember Newcastle United doing very well in the late 90s, early 2000s, towards the top end of the Premier League and, of course, in Europe. But perhaps it's off the pitch in which his amazing legacy continues with the Sir Robson Foundation, which was formed in 2008. Today, to talk to us about all things Sir Robson Foundation and, of course, Newcastle United, because that's what we all love is, of course, uh, Sir Robson, Robson's son, Mark. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much indeed for inviting me. No, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. It really, really is. And Sam, 
I think yeah. when when anybody mentions Sir Bobby Robson, it just it just yeah. lights up the room and you get the, the smile on your face. So we wanted to have some sort of recognition or some sort of person that could tell us about the memory. Mark's the perfect man for the job, isn't he, Sam? Isn't he just? Um, I mean, look, Mark, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, your dad was my hero. Um, <laughs> just the way he dealt with people. And I mean, you must have heard it from men and women of, uh, of Newcastle and Ipswich. Yeah. And, and I, have, I, I have, I have, I have, I have. I've heard it so many, so many times, exactly what you said. Uh, it's it's difficult because I, I almost can't understand it, how he... You know, he's my father, so that's 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 my understanding of him and, and the relationship. And uh, and then people come in, like yourselves, come in from a different angle completely, and they will say the same thing. And it's just like, how, how did he get around so many people? How did he, how did he have that influence on people? And it's always sort of intrigued me, and I don't really have an answer for it. But but it it it's what it is. Um, and uh, you know, all credit to dad, really. I think. If I tried to explain it, it would probably be the the way he carried himself and behaved and 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 his manners um, and respect for people and the working class people uh, and the love of the game going back from you know his you know granddad being a miner and all all that and Langley Park and the village and and I think that's where the journey started and um, and Dad just sort of carried on that respect of of people. Um, and obviously things have changed in the game and, and money's come in and that's change, money changes people, doesn't it? Whereas where dad, maybe dad was fortunate enough that he, he was brought up in a time when money wasn't the driving force and, and, and people's behaviour was different. Um, and that's why people like yourselves think so highly of him and that's probably why the Cancer Foundation is is doing what it's doing. Yeah, I mean... Formed in 2008, 16 million, over 16 million pounds raised. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we can talk about legendary football manager. People forget he was actually an England international player as well. Yes. But what a tremendous legacy that this foundation yeah. just continues to thrive. Yeah, it is. And the support, the, the, just the day-to-day fundraising, um, Levels of it, levels of interest that just keeps coming, coming over the hills. Really, uh, we thought, you know, after Dad passed in two thousand and nine, he, you know, what, what, Mom, me, and my two brothers, what we're going to do with the foundation? Because it'd only been going about a year and a bit. So um, we quickly came to the conclusion we had no choice but to carry on. We must support Dad. This is what Dad's wishes would be. And then we thought, well, this is going to dip in two or three years' time when, when people have forgotten about that, if you like, this is going to dip and, and it'll, it might wind down or whatever. But it hasn't. The complete opposite has happened, really. And it's gone strength to strength and, and obviously a couple of quiet years recently, but still ticking along nicely and um, I'm beginning to pick up again. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkable. And, you know, we've got great plans for the foundation. So we'll be, we're able in a position strong enough to, 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 to think forwards and, um, and, and, and have some exciting plans. Yeah. It, I think I, I like the actual the quote from your father, Mark, it was his last and greatest team. Yeah. I, I, I really love that quote. I think considering with everything that goes on and with the yeah. foundation and the fact that the, the word is spreading 
again, it must it must be such a, an easy sell. I don't want to call it that, but it must be such an easy sell to get people to do something for your father's foundation because the impact he had on the northeast in particular is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, but but the the, the people are primarily the people from the northeast. They they come to us, you know, voluntarily. We 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 don't employ fundraisers. They come to us and put the hand up. Um, it's it is it is incredible and. That bit about his, his his last last and greatest team is is so true because you know what's more important than than research into illness serious illnesses that kill you or or playing football well yeah so I think Dad was and Mom was so proud and so lucky really that it, it happened that um, Dad's oncologist Ruth Plummer came along and you know asked for help and uh, within a week or so Dad thought about it and put his hand up and said yeah we'll we'll help because that's that's what he was. You know, if someone comes to you and asks for help, what do you do? You, you help, don't you? And then, then, then it just gathered legs and kept going. So, yeah, I mean, and then about the the, the greatest team, and that takes you to the nurses and doctors and consultants and surgeons of, of that we're familiar with, a bit more familiar with now, and um, what wonderful people they are. And and um, I think Dad, obviously, in his passing years of cancer met a lot of them and realized what wonderful people they are and um you know what a what a great thing to do and and, it, and, and um it's been very successful i mean we, we just um were chatting a little bit before we started this about the the return of the charity golf weekend mm. um how great was it to get that back going and and just see so many faces from yeah. the northeast from ipswich from the whole of however many circles your dad had yeah yeah it was it was fantastic because we lost two years and I thought if we if we lost another year three years it would be difficult to get it going again because it's obviously organizing an event for a different charity in a different country which takes takes a lot of doing um extraordinarily difficult um but the tea again it comes back to what people thought of dad and they wanted to be there for him they wanted to support him and you know they didn't shake or shiver they 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 were there for us and and so we had a great another great weekend successful fundraising not for the cancer foundation but for the children's refuge in faro uh completely separate but but strong again and um uh yeah it was wonderful to see because you know we had a good great support from the newcastle players next players um and the ipswich boys and a few of the the old stalwarts uh, tony cotty and the endowies are magnificent clive tilsley's fantastic support uh, so many really uh, to, to mention um yeah it, it just sort of goes on and on and you've got to keep going um dad would want it to keep going and uh and the 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 income streams if you like for the charities are there so you so you can't can't stop can you yeah you, you certainly can't and i just love, love the fact that there's, there's so many different people involved it, it really just shows how much your dad was really there uh, was loved i suppose i think it's probably the best word i can put about but he, he did fight cancer so many times i think i've got his first diagnosis of cancer was 1991 now yeah. obviously that you can see the science and how that's improved over the years in terms of how we how we can help and how we can treat people but there is still that end game there is there is still no cure but it just shows your dad's fighting spirit that I think yeah. he fought five times, five times if I'm missed, if I'm, if I'm not yeah. uh, mistaken. So it just shows that battling spirit, and hopefully that you know one day we can get to a, a place that 
we can treat it a lot more better if not get a cure for this disease. No, no, I mean, I think enormous strides have been made. Um, early detection, prognosis, research, drugs, if you like. Um, yeah, that, that, I think, I think. 1991 is, is uh, just after England, 1990, Italian 1991, went to Holland. And um, his first, that was his first diagnosis, yeah. Uh, so he was desperately unlucky to have it for so long, but he was, he was also lucky that he, you know, lasted 17 years. So, because we all know that, you know, what cancer can do to you quickly or slowly. So what amazes me about him is how tough he was. I guess that goes back to his upbringing, really, and 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 um, you know his working class roots of of Langley Park, and his and his father, um, because he never he had five different types, two or three major major invasive surgeries, and often <laughs> went back to work, you know, Porto, Barcelona, Newcastle, and and yet he was um, uh, he had cancer, you know, serious cancer. So how he um, and he never moaned. Honestly, I kid you not. He never moaned once. And never he never said, "I've got a headache. I've got this. I've got that." Not once to me or mom or well, he might have to mom, but not to me. Um, and I look back and I think how tough. I'm not like that. I don't know about you lot, but <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it's, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, like as as a family, was there ever some conversations of like, Dad, I think you should maybe slow down a bit, and then. All of a sudden, he's on the next flight to Barcelona. No, uh, um, I wouldn't say we had conversations, but I think we all thought he should stop. I think I remember I bought him a pair of slippers once. I bought, I got them nicely embroidered with something I can't remember his initials or something, and I gave them to him and um, with a hint. And he looked at me with utter disgust. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget it. We were on holiday and bought down in Bournemouth somewhere, and um, <laughs> he was furious. Um, no, we no. I, I think we probably just thought. He, he, you know, he's stubborn and he's not a tough and he, he's going to do what he wants to do. And uh, and he did, but I don't know how he did it. Um, I mean, the, the, the operation he had when he was at Porto on his face was 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 oh, so significant. And the, that, you know, the, pull his skin back, tumour out, put your face back and, and a big new jaw and everything. And... Um, uh, and false teeth and and everything um opt optulator in the in the roof of his mouth so he didn't have a roof of his mouth it was false uh and just huge collateral damage on that operation he went back to porto then then barcelona then for four years four or five years at newcastle uh <laughs> and he couldn't you know he couldn't sleep with that thing in he had to take it out every night clean it and sleep without a, 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 a roof of his mouth and you know you just can't imagine how tough that must have been. But he, you wouldn't, like you guys probably don't know that, you know, and a lot of people wouldn't, but uh, extremely, uh, yeah, rhino skin type toughness and and uh, and never moaned though as well, you know, never moaned, never, never, just, just, yeah, didn't, as if he wasn't ill. Yeah. It's immense bravery, isn't it, so? Yeah, it's, it's ex extraordinary uh, toughness. Uh, yeah, I can't figure it out. I really can't. Uh, I mean, to manage Barcelona, you know, uh, the in, in, intenseness of that, and and then four or five years at Newcastle. Um, after all that, um, yeah, it's extraordinary, really. I don't want to over over talk it, but no, um, 
Yeah. What What was your sort of first memory of your dad and um, like sort of within football and because it's such an all-encompassing world of its own, yeah. did, it, yeah. did it kind of make you hate the game in some way because that took up no, not at all. No, no. Uh, I I loved it. I never played it because me and my two brothers we went to schools that played rugby, so we never played football. We tried. We had some trials, but we were never always behind the way behind the curve and everything. Um, I was at school in Ipswich when Dad was manager of Ipswich, so those are my school days. And then, you know, you're talking about seventies then, and seventies and early yeah, early eighties. And it wasn't such an intense job then. It was way before Premier League and, and what we're used to now. So it was li- really was an ordinary job. And so my school days were completely unaffected. I got no hassle, no grief. We didn't talk about football at school because no one talked about football, really. Um, um, so, and then Dad always in- insisted that we stay away from the clubs at the ground. And the changing rooms is what I mean, or the inner inner workings, the admin, or the changing yeah. rooms, or meet the players, and just to keep keep the clear lines. And I think that was a highly wise thing because it meant I never got involved in the pressure or gossip or anything like that. And and I could look in from the outside with a clear view and just love the game naturally, uh, which we which we all did, my brothers and I. So in a way, it was sort of. I don't think he did it to protect us, but because I, I think he did it because he didn't want us getting involved in the football clubs. He could have easily had us in the offices and walking around and having cups of tea with everyone and whatever. But he wanted, you know, the clear lines, clear. So um, that made us. It took the pressure off us, really. And um, so going to games, we would just literally go to the games, and um, and obviously at Ipswich, it was unbelievably successful. Um, so it was they were after well after the first couple of years it was a bit tricky but after that you know the next nine we were we ridiculously successful um, so they were great days and those those are my going back to your original question those are my uh, some of my fondest memories because it was pure um, um, and the, the 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 intenseness of the uh, speculation and social media and TV and what we have now it wasn't there at all. So it was rock up to the game at two o'clock, enjoy the game, go home, and then that was it. So I was very lucky, really lucky, and especially such a you know two. Well, I think Dad built two or three teams there, and um, you know ten years in Europe and never never beaten at home in Europe for a, a club like Ipswich was just you know Barcelona twice, Real Madrid. I could name them all if you want me to, but they didn't. Never they came to Ipswich. Never they never beat Ipswich. None of them. In ten years, amazing. So uh, yeah, I was, I was just extremely lucky because that that I mean it was it, those for many years. It was the two best teams in the, in the league were Ipswich and Liverpool. And that was it. I mean, there's there's other good teams, but but it, for year after year after year is what I mean. It was it, the two top teams were Ipswich and Liverpool. So it's extraordinary uh, experience. Uh, when I look back at the time, you don't really realise how lucky you are. Um, but you look back and you think you do go wow, um, and then and I'm fortunate enough to know some of the players now since then. You know Butchers and Osmonds and uh, and all the crew. So um, Johnny Walk, fantastic uh, players and characters. Yeah, I was just going to say you look at that Ipswich tenure in particular, the FA Cup in '78, the UEFA Cup, of course, and then you won it. 
like I say, for a, t- a team like Ipswich Town, if someone says that now, someone like Ipswich Town winning those trophies, you think, yeah, wow. uh, and then you actually exactly. the background about it, it's, it's just remarkable. But yeah. would, would you say that your way for club in '81 was his biggest achievement in terms of football? Or do you think maybe the fact that he did go on to manage England? Did that was that, that did that succumb that or would you think UEFA, UEFA Cup eighty one in the end was just that little bit more special? Yeah, I wouldn't like to to call it. I know some of the Ipswich boys think what Dad did at Ipswich was his greatest achievement. If you weigh everything up, um, um, yeah, um, and to to build what he did. I mean, what? But to go on the man, they're all different, aren't they? You can't, you know. Um, even what he did at Eindhoven uh, was 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 a, a good, and then Porto, and Barcelona, and and then Newcastle, and and England, of course. So they're all extraordinarily different. You can't compare. Um, what would he think is the greatest achievement? Oh, I don't know. I think the longevity of it and the success they had would would probably he might sort of favour Ipswich, but you don't want to you don't want to diss any of the other successes, do you? Um, because the episode you built from nothing, you know, the scouts, scouting system, you know, he'd drive up to Cumbria or Scotland or Plymouth or whatever, you know, wouldn't have, a, he'd have two scouts, not 10, and he'd have to scout, do a lot of the scouting himself. So, um, given how hard that must have been and, you know, no budget, um, I, yeah, looking back, I'd probably think Ipswich is, was his greatest achievement. But then to manage Barcelona is a, a, a one-off, isn't it, as well? Yeah. So, um, but without managing Ipswich, he wouldn't have got to Barcelona because they, I think, they came after him the third time. They, they, you know, he came after him twice at Ipswich, and then, and then um, later on, yeah. So, there's not many people that can say they've turned down Barcelona twice before they end up taking the job. That just, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's right. I mean, well, he had, I, I can remember lots of times at Ipswich when I was so cool, it whenever I was 12, 13, 14, 15. I remember almost every season or every year I'd end up in tears because we we were going to Everton or we we're going to Leeds or we we're going to, you know, Man United or we we're going to Barcelona or whatever. And it was like, yeah, we're going some, we're going, we're going next week. And then it, it didn't happen. And I remember uh, always having, you know, I had a bit of a lovely dog called Pip, the golden retriever, and I used to cuddle him in the corner and, and think, oh, we're, we're moving next week, off we're going to wherever. <laughs> and um, it never happened. I don't know what happened in the end, but there was a lot of uh, a lot of confusion on my part. But uh, now he just always... I think it was the, probably the Cobolds who were to blame, Johnny and Patrick to blame. They, he, Dad wouldn't leave them. They were such great uh, directors or chairmen that uh, in the end they, they, they must have persuaded him somehow to stay what did your mum have to think or say about this because obviously there was a, a, a long settled stint at Ipswich and then with England you're still based in one place I suppose yeah then Eindhoven Porto Barcelona mm. that, that's a lot of traveling and a lot yeah. of could become quite unsettling for a family yeah very much so um and we were lucky initially because Ips well yeah, and you, you forget, but we, we went to Vancouver, Whitecaps, for about four months and came home with a, on the yeah. boat. Um, and then Fulham didn't work. Uh, well, Fulham and then Vancouver didn't work out. And then we, you know, then Dad had 12 years at Ipswich. But then after that is what you're referring to. We were all over the shop, really. And um, 
And how did mum cope with it? I don't know. She must have, well, she is and, and was clearly, a, you know, a tough old lady because she never stood in dad's way. She never, if dad wanted to thought about it and go somewhere, then, then mum would go with her, go, go with them. And um, I think they were both quite out, outward going enough to realise you know, travel, go and meet other cultures, other people, other food, other countries. And, you know, that's a good thing to do. And um, uh, I think actually, yeah, mom, mom, I think mom enjoyed it. But there's times obviously when dad, you know, if, for instance, at Porto, Lisbon, you know, mom would be on her own a lot because we would, me and my two brothers would be working in, in, in the UK and we couldn't get out there apart from the odd weekend. And um, so mom had to just get on with it really. And, integrate into the local community and the church and being maybe the English societies out there and stuff. And um, um, so, yeah, she was extraordinary really to, to a offer that support and willingness and, um, and go along with it and, and, and just integrate herself into that, that community that was ever, you know, whatever was going on. Um, she must've got fed up with it eventually. I would have thought, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, ten, it was 10 years, wasn't it, I think? Uh, and you, uh, yeah, it was 90 to PSV, and then was it 98-9 Newcastle, wasn't it? So Dad was away 9, 10 years. So Mum was away 9 or 10 years. So, yeah, very difficult for Mum, but um, without that support, I guess Dad wouldn't have been able to do it, would he? So, 100%. you know, if she said no... Um, would that have gone? I don't know. Probably not. He'd have been rejecting Barcelona for a third time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He kind of too late now. Three and out. So, um, yeah, no, it was a good question. That extraordinary, you know, mom, uh, I wouldn't say sometimes gets forgotten in dad's career, but, but, but it's a partnership, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I, I think yeah, like with, with like the documentaries that have been made and TV programs, like countless yeah. ones, there, there's no secret to just how much of an amazing woman your mum is to, yeah. to have stuck by him for that long and been yeah. torn all over Europe for, for nine years, as you say. But can you remember what it was like when they finally came home and they got the call to, to go to Newcastle? Um, so that was Barcelona. Um, I wasn't obviously wasn't out there at the time. Um, and I probably, given the way negotiations on things like that, happen I, I probably wasn't I wasn't involved very much not that involved but you know what I mean I wouldn't dad wouldn't phone me up and tell me things he, uh, he never did so I never knew really what the next move was going to be until perhaps the two days before um but I would say that dad absolutely I don't know what the words would be but it's a perfect scenario for him he, he you know his hometown club, the passion of of the northeast, Newcastle, everything about it. Going home, uh, family, friends, relatives up 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 in Newcastle or Northumberland and Durham. So, I think he would. Have, yeah, I think he was absolutely chuffed to bits. Really, it couldn't have couldn't have fallen nicer, could it? Um, and also at the time, obviously Newcastle were, were where they were. Um, and so he had the ability and, and the experience to sort it out um, and be able to sort it out quite quickly. Um, so I think, yeah, he um, he would 
because it was only two years at Barcelona anyway, and that's the, that's the way they tend to tend to be in Europe. Um, so um, a perfect ending, really perfect scenario. And yeah, I mean you you know you know how proud he was wearing the England blazer or the Newcastle blazer and, and his badge and and you know and how he carried himself. So uh, yeah, absolutely thoroughly chuffed to bits. I think to represent the club, yeah. It must be some sort of buzz as a family member when you see the club that your father supported as a boy and the team doing so well around it. Like I mentioned in, in the introduction, you know, towards the top end of the Premier League and a couple of times not too far away from a Premier League title race, getting into yeah. Europe to the latter stages, quarterfinals, semi-finals of big, big competitions. Do you, it, it must be the, one of the best environments to be involved in the buzz of just being inside that ground it must be absolutely immense yeah I was, uh, yeah extraordinarily lucky um because there was a buzz wasn't there at, at, at well I, I i wasn't around for the, the keegan years up there but obviously dad's years and um and going to the ground and being in the ground for the european nights and 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 the, the, the saturday afternoon games it was it is electric isn't it it's it's quite quite an experience and you know, you think you're going to just go into an ordinary football game, but there's nothing like that whatsoever. Because um, I was working in London, well, I worked most of my life in London, but I, I used to come up on the train on the in the evening and go to those European games and um, and 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 get the like the five o'clock train back the next morning. Um, and yeah, it was just so, I was so lucky to be able to do that. There was um, vivid memories of of those those nights the Juventus game was absolutely incredible um and let, I mean let's obviously hope we can get them back because there's nothing like a, a midweek game under lights is in, in Europe so um yeah I mean dad got us there didn't he? he got us back in the Champions League on, on a on a pretty sort of restricted budget but but he was always so good at player assessment so um yeah for a brief period a couple of three years it was it was it was what it should be, yeah. Hmm. Do you think he's because obviously he's renowned for his man management skills and the way he's he caught sort of saved players, if you like. Alan Shearer is your, your prime example. He was going to leave Newcastle if, if yeah. Rude Hullet would have stayed. But mm-hmm. do you think do you think Sir Bobby's sort of tactical now is kind of understated a little bit? I do. A lot of people. Some people don't. Um, I think he was. I think he he had two. Looking back, I think he had two really well uh, two assets to me that stood out. One was his player assessment and character assessment, um, with the help of a team and scouts and whatever. But also, what you've just said, I think he he he's poorly thought of because what he did at Ipswich with with that Ipswich team and, and, and the formations he had. So, well, you know, Mariner and Brazil up front and, and then little Eric Gates in the, in the hole in the diamond and Johnny Walks role um, with the two Dutch boys. Um, you know, the, the, the two Dutch boys were, so there's Villa and uh, Ardiles came to Spurs, the first two foreigners. And then the next two were Muin and Tyson. You know, and he bought them for 100 grand less than he sold Brian Talbot to Arsenal for. And that was that was the launch of 
foreign players coming in into the UK and to England. So that's quite something, really, if you, you think about that. And and the, the, the type of football that Muin and Tyson made Ipswich play uh, was way ahead of the way ahead of the curve. So and then Ipswich carried that through to significant success. And then I think that England, he was hard done by as well because the different formations, I think, I, I always, you know, say, you know, English teams were banned for five years, 85 to 90. There's no English players playing in Europe. And yet we got the World Cup semi-final. Well, you figure that one out, really. And and we deservedly got to the World Cup final, uh, semi-final, sorry, not given a chance. And we played such an attacking brand of football. If you look at the team of, call it Gascoigne when he, uh, and Robson, and then you had Waddle Barnes, Beardsley, Lineker. Well, you've got six attacking players there as your front six. So, and and it worked, you know. They, they were a delight to watch and, and, and it picked up the nation. So, there's two pretty good examples there of something going on, which perhaps Dad sometimes doesn't get credit for. Um, but he was always quite brave. He, he, you know, he was brave to make selections. He wasn't, he was like, if you like, Keegan was brave on selections to go and win a game, go and get the game. You might lose 4-1, but... You know, you'll you'll if we play this way, that's the way I want to play. Then we'll have more four threes than the odd four one against. And but that's the way I want to play. Um, so, um, and I think overall that that proved to be one of his great successes. But um, he he didn't <laughs> he didn't worry so much about defending, did he? He he was he he wanted to attack. And um, uh, if you look at like the Newcastle team of Bellamy. Janus, Robert, Dyer, and Solano. Uh, the pace was remarkable. Yeah. Scarily quick team. And that's the way he wanted to play. So, yeah, no, I think it's a, a fair point, fair question. Um, and maybe his people do think about his, his, his tactics weren't that great and, and whatever. But if you look, actually analyze it a little bit deeper, um, I don't know. Yeah. That's, those are my thoughts, anyway. No, I agree. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of people would agree with would agree with that, and a lot of Newcastle fans would definitely agree that when you look at some of the memories, in particular, looking at the the four three game against Manchester United, yeah, in the early two thousands, that win against Arsenal, you know, Arsenal Wenger's Arsenal, you know, not yeah. many te- not many managers would get the better of Manchester United and Arsenal in that period of time. Is there a particular moment, Mark, in? His tenure at Newcastle, but it's one of your favourite moments. So you mentioned the Champions League. Yeah, no, my favourite moment is what you just said: the three-one at Highbury, which I was there for, and then the, about three days later, four-three at Leeds, it took us yeah. to the top. I think yeah. that, you know that, that scoring that many goals away against good teams, um, great goals uh, with with you know lightning quick players was quite credible, really. So I would think that would probably be my those are my highlights. Um, we had a couple of cracking results against Man United, didn't we? Three 0 and a four three. Yeah. Um, and and the odd European night, but I mean, Europe, European nights are tough because you're playing against really, really top opposition. Unless you've got, unless you've, you know, invested heavily in in the top is you know top players, then then you just have to sort of manage the game a little bit differently. Um. So I think, yeah, that 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 would probably be my highlight, without doubt. Because um, that Wenger team was exceptional, and they weren't—they weren't happy about it. At, 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 uh, 
whatever time it was, ten past nine, trooping off the pitch. Mister, uh, was it Terry Henry? Was lost it a bit, didn't he? And, and whatever. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was very good. I mean, you, you said earlier that he kind of kept you separate um, from the football club, like at Ipswich. Yeah. But obviously, you're a bit older when he was at Newcastle. Would you ever? Sort of, did you ingratiate yourself a bit more then and have more dialogue with players or people around yeah. him? On, or, for example, like at Barcelona with a certain Mr. Mourinho? Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. And, and I think by that time I was a little bit older, but I understood it all a bit more that I, I didn't want to. Um, hmm. Didn't really didn't want to at all. I had no desire to. I thought it'd be the wrong thing to do. Um, and I think it was, you know, I think it was the right decision, really, just to stay, stay away, stay in the background, not, nothing to do with me, um, uh, not to get involved. And um, I mean, I might have loved to, but but that's, it wasn't right. So it, it kept those lines clean, and um, you know, there's no, there's no confusion. So um, uh, I was more than happy just to go, you know, watch the game, really, and and, and um, be lucky enough to be able to do that. Yeah, 100%. I think you probably got the best seat in the house, some would say. But when you look yeah. at uh, Newcastle, when you look at Newcastle United and the Friday, obviously it, it got to the, the highs of the highs and it, it, all, all that was missing was a trophy. Um, how did your dad look back at his time at Newcastle and did he, did he think it was, an un, it was unfinished, like the, the job hadn't been done because he hadn't had that trophy or did he, felt, did he feel at the time, actually, I've done as much as I physically can, as much as I don't agree with the decision yeah. that the board made? He felt that he'd done a splendid job, which a lot of Newcastle fans will obviously uh, agree. Yeah, no, I think it was unfinished business. Really, I think he was building a building a team. I mean, look at the ages of of the, the, the you know those three: Janus, Dyer, Bellamy, Robert, um, and, and, and working off Alan. Um, he was building something, um, and that was, I think, what he thought he was there to do and what he was good at. Um, so, I mean, taking it to the next stage of winning a trophy is probably another probably another two or three years away from where where they were at that level, that stage, sorry. So it was, yeah, unfinished business, but I think I don't think he had any doubt he could do it. Um, you know, it, it needed some perhaps, because I don't think Dad spent more than on any player a £10 million, did he, at, at Newcastle in those four, four, four and a half years. So it, a limited budget in in, in, in um with all you know, all due respect as well. Um, so it was a, a slow build, um, and you're not really, unless you get exceptionally lucky, you're not just going to get to a cup final and win it. Um, having been two or three years before that, sort of bottom of the league and 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 looking downwards. So no, he was without doubt. Um, that's why he's so upset, wasn't it? Because he. he, he he thought he was there to build something and build it better, and he could have done it. He would have done it, um, but it didn't didn't happen. So yeah, he was desperately upset, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. For so many reasons. So yeah, it was a, a great shame that a great shame. I thought, um, and a bit of a disaster. If you look what we've been through <laughs> since, you're not, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> but I, I suppose. The, the influence and kind of football legacies left behind, not just at Newcastle, but on so many individuals in the game, does that 
give you and your family a tremendous sense of pride when you see the likes of Guardiola, Mourinho, just yeah. pay testament to him and just how much of an influence they are on yeah. two of the biggest managers in current day football. Yeah, eh? I mean, that's that's the other thing, isn't it? The two, another great point you've made because he built so many teams and, uh, and, and had so many players, but then, um, and such success. And then, if you look at then the player list he he had under him and and what some of them have gone on to it it just it's it's difficult to fathom for me and and um again how how lucky i am i suppose but uh you know look at figo and ronaldo's and you name the barcelona players the england players the ipswich players like butchers and osmonds Beatty, uh, the england player shilton clements who worked their way forward you know linica all the center forwards he had you know, Will Van Nostroy, you forget him. I had him at PSV. Yeah, Mario yeah. at PSV. <laughs> um, the list is ridiculous. So I don't know whether that's luck or, or 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 what. I mean, it's a fabulous list, you know, uh, um, that, that played under him. Um, so I don't know. I can't explain it, really. I don't know. I guess because he did so well at Ipswich, he then that gave him the platform to manage top players at top clubs, which I guess you tend to do. But um, yeah, very, very, uh, very fortunate to have those players. Um, but his player assessment was good, so good as I mentioned before, because you know he, he, you know, he bought Ronaldo at nineteen twenty at, at Barcelona, and, um, and and look what that turned out to be. So. It was just one of his, his great assets, really. Um, whether, I mean, a lot of a lot of the players who played under him went did go into management, but I guess that would be natural given the length of his career. Um, and some of them would, would inevitably be very, very, very successful. I mean, it, it just so happens, I guess, that Pep and, and, and Mourinho were, were so highly thought of and, and, and uh, worked or played under dad. So... I mean, they're both exceptional managers. So, um, I mean, Pep's crazy, uh, crazy good, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he would have been under Dad for two years at Barcelona, and I think he did learn a lot and, and watched. And but Dad probably had a different way of managing Barcelona than some of the modern managers did. But but you still pick up facets of, of every manager, don't you? You you play under and you you pull your own thoughts together. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I, when I do Dad's Golf, I always try and theme the weekend uh, in Portugal. And couple in 19, 2019, I, you know, my theme was Sir Bobby's players. So, so I, I built the picture in the weekend around that and put them on. In, you know, we designed a program, and and it was just a fantastic list of of players that played under Dad. You know, Stoikov and Figo and Laurent Blanc and Popescu, and just goes on and on. And it's and the Ipswich boys. Uh, Gary, you know, Gary Speed, Alan Shearer's, um, yeah, it's just, um, very lucky, extraordinarily lucky. And it's great that those names roll off your tongue, but, um, but he was a manager a long time, wasn't he? So, um, so Ipswich was 69, finished Newcastle 04, so 30, 35 years as a manager, really. So you would, you would come across some good ones, but I think he came across quite a lot. He certainly did. He certainly, certainly did. I'd love to have known what his best 11 was because yeah. <laughs> I would have seen the subs bench as well more than anything. But uh, it's yeah. absolutely fantastic. I have, to, I have to ask Mark, um, 
What, what do you make of Newcastle United right now? Because there's a, I mean, we mentioned the word buzz. There is a real buzz at the minute. Yeah. On the, as the day as we record, and there was queues for pre-season friendlies outside the ground, yeah. uh, which is absolutely remarkable. What, what's your What's your opinions of everything that's going uh, on with Eddie Howe's Newcastle United? Yeah, uh, I. I think it was a great appointment. I really do. I think he's a uh, uh, highly intelligent, a, a very thorough. Uh, well, you know, works hard, does his research, uh, deep thinking person about the game, extraordinarily passionate. Um, did an incredible job at Bournemouth. Um, absolutely remarkable job. Not dissimilar to, to, to you know how Dad got going at Ipswich in a way. And once you've done those hard yards, I think you you, you learn a lot. You learn a lot, and um, so I think that was a great appointment. I really do, because there could have been some other two other names that might have been bigger and supposedly better, but I don't think it would have fitted. And um, so I was chuffed to bits when that appointment was made. And I think they 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 there seems to be a lot of good decision making going on at the high level. To then that then will over the months and years filter down. Um, and that's, I think that's the most pleasing thing for me. And then I think, you know, we're all supporters, so we all see that happening and, and that generates what you're talking about, about queues and ticket sales and excitement and, and, and whatever, because people see that things have been done properly, uh, with thought, with good people. So, um, yeah, no, I think, ah, yeah, give <laughs> and then you, you look at the, you know, the tough years in the past. So it's such a such a swing as well. Um, that yeah, no, I I'm um, I'm pretty pleased for the the Newcastle fans, and um, uh, so I think um, I understand the excitement, and um, I think it's sort of fully deserved, really. Yeah, no, I'm I'm um, excited. Yeah. Do you see any players in the the current day squad that you think, oh, Dad would have would have loved you? <laughs> oh, I think uh, yeah, I think I think some of them show such good uh, attitude. Uh, I think Dad Dad always tried to have a core of leaders in his teams, and so if you, I wouldn't, I don't like to pick players out, but but I think Callum Wilson's a great leader, isn't he? A great character, and you can see see the difference when he's on the pitch to the whole oh, team. Yeah. Even in ten minutes, you can see things slightly different. Uh, uh, Joe Linton's just a, what Dad might call a monster or a beast of a player, and 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 for what he went through, and then to come back as a still a young you know still a young boy and come back how he has as strong as he is, not just physically strong but mentally strong, um, is exceptional. You know, really, really exceptional. So, um, and you need that. You you need those. Sort of lions, if you like, in your team. Otherwise, you won't, you won't, you won't survive. So, um, yeah, there's plenty, um, there's plenty of good things going on, and and um, uh, I think you know Eddie Howe will realise what what type of characters will be needed to to get to the top half of the table and and get high, you know get higher above midway. Um, so you need a lot of strong, you know, good players, but they have to be immensely strong characters. Um, um, so that's what he'll be he'll be looking for, I think. Yeah, I'm um, sure he will be. I'm sure he'll be hoping that Newcastle can finish as high as possible. Um, I have to ask Mark the statue 
of Sabaros and outside St. James's Park. I know they've got one at Portman Road as well, but yeah, whenever you go to St. James's Park in particular, the, yeah. the immense pride that you must have beaming out, beaming out of you when you see your father yeah. outside the ground, it, 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 it kind of get any better than that? No, no, it can't. And it's, it's just in such a great position as well, isn't it? It's a crazy position. Um, walking up the hill and up the steps and around the corner and there it is in front of the, the wording and and the, the, that part of the, 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 the site, the stadium as you come up the hill is, um, yeah, really humbling, really, really, uh, uh, yeah, difficult to know what to say really, but because but Dad never saw it, did he? So it, what would he think? And uh, I mean, he probably would tut a bit or, or whatever, or I don't need that son <laughs> or, or all that sort of stuff. But I mean, it's there forever as well. So that's what's, uh, and they have so many millions, thousands of millions of people are going to see it and have their pictures taken and and, and whatever. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm probably not the word, the person who asked, but it's, um, yeah, no, immense, whenever I see it, immensely proud um, of, of him and, and it, and and just, you know, for so many people to see it, because uh, the first thing you see, kind of thing, isn't it? As you, as you yeah. come come up, so uh, yeah, no, very, uh, very, very fortunate um, to have that. So I mean, it was a nice thing of the club to do. To be to be fair, I think, you know, Mister Mister Ashley put his hand in his pocket and and and, and went ahead with it. So um, and put it in in a good spot. So um, yeah, ever, ever thankful to him for that. Um, so, but I mean, Dad was just humble person, wasn't he? So um, I don't know what he, he. I do know what he would think, but uh, but but you know what I'm saying. It's 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 difficult for the family to comment on their own statues or whatever. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad it's there. I think it's great. Yeah, it's nice yeah. for the fans, and you know, if, you, if people from a different country come along, and that's you know, those are the things they want to see, isn't it? A bit of history and and have their photos taken. So yeah. Well, I mean, I live in the Midlands, Mark. So whenever I make the two hundred and twenty mile journey up to the northeast on a match day, Johnny, where do I say I will meet you every match day? <laughs> at the, at, say, I'll meet you at Sabali. Yeah, <laughs> it's like without thinking, and and what it is it's great as well. Now he's got a neighbour with the with the Shearer statue being moved. <laughs> yeah. so he's, he's he's got a neighbour there as well. But it, it it's brilliant, and it's it, it, oh. Yeah, like I say, it was my hero. So, yeah, just just so so richly deserved. But I, I wonder what I often wonder over the past couple of years, in particular, what your dad would have made of Alan St. Maximin, and and him strolling in with a Gucci headband <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah, because uh, he, he he was brilliant at dealing with them sort of characters. I mean, he had to deal with Gascoigne for how long? So yeah. Um, uh, what would he make of him? I think he would, I don't know, look back again. I think as long as he does it on the pitch at three o'clock, mm. dad could deal with the nine o'clocks or the whatever, so, you know, 11 o'clocks or, or whatever. If you'll produce, if you'll give me that at three o'clock for a couple of hours, then, then we can sort, sort the rest out. Um, so I think as, as, if you're referring to that one player, as long as he does that, then, then okay, everything's cool, isn't it? Um, but he's got to do it. Um, and is uh, the, the 
the problem is if if any of the players slip, then then people will then pile in. So um, it's up to the player to you know provide he's got the capability um, to perform because he has to for the club, the other players, the manager, and the fans because it can soon go soon go wrong. Um, as we know, so um, again, it comes down to a play assessment, doesn't it? And and yeah. and capability. And if 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 you know, we've, there's a whole history of players that we would love to roll off our tongue of players who are great players, but a little bit naughty or cheeky or try to be clever or whatever they try to do. But some of them kept performing, and others equally talented didn't. So, yeah, I think that's the way he would look at it. He would, he would, he would, you know, he'd keep it simple and and um, and work from there. Um, he wouldn't get distracted by side issues, but but if at three o'clock it wasn't happening, then then you've got you've got to sort it out. Yeah, of course. So. Just finally, Mark. Um, just going back onto the the foundation itself. Where mm. can people donate and and if they want to do activities, I know people like to do the Great North Run for the Suburb of yeah. Foundation. How can they get in touch with with yourselves? Uh, well, through obviously website or Twitter or contact Liz Love, uh, um, who does our PR. Um, so all her details on the website. But we're a registered charity under the NHS, so um, uh, contact the NHS team, um, um, and and yeah. Put, put your hand up, run, walk, do whatever you, you would like to do. Let the fellow who's just driven to Barcelona, uh, drive to Barcelona if you want. Um, fantastic, that was. So, um, yeah, just the, the usual websites. Um, uh, so we're, char- we're a registered charity under the NHS umbrella. So we work so closely with them and their staff, nurses and, and whatever. And Dad's Trials Unit is in the Freeman, is at the Freeman, the Cancer Trials Unit. So, um um yeah that's that's the way to get in touch so yeah please do and um we will look after your you know, we'll look after the money and, and invest it wisely and we we i think dad would be pleased because very pleased because you know we have made we are making you know the cancer care and research in the northeast some of the best in the world uh, the research the trials unit's got a fantastic reputation um and we're hoping to continue that and um it's it's we we need more capacity, which we're looking at to get to because we're turning down cancer trials because um, we haven't got enough space. So we're looking to, looking to address that issue, uh, hopefully very soon. Um, and we, you know, we're thanks to the fundraisers and support and the northeast people. You know, we're we're um, we're giving Newcastle a good name. You, you really, really are. And just like, again, everybody on behalf of Newcastle fans here and Newcastle United fans in general, just like say thank you very much to everybody that works with the foundation because it is doing incredibly well. Yeah. But Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this show. We've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think we could have probably spoke for four, five, six hours yeah. talking about your father and his fantastic work at, just at Newcastle United alone. Um, yeah. But again, a big, big thank you to yourself for coming along today. No, pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I hope I haven't talked too much and droned on like apparently Dad did in some of his team talks. But, um, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Not in the blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 
links are in the description, not just to, to listen to the podcast, but for the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation, sirbobbyrobsonfoundation.org.uk. All the links are on there to donate and um, all the information there about the tremendous work that they do. So uh, go and take a look and donate if you can. Right. Thanks very much, 100%. chaps. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that. That's good. <laughs> from the self junk agreement with Sam Ulmer and our guest, Mark Robson. We'll see you all very soon. Newcastle Fans TV.